Well, here we are, Laura, and good morning, Mom Nation. I got another five minutes of morning. It's still morning. <laughs> it is still morning. Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Live and Learn, guys. This is Laura. You should recognize her face from our show, Mental Wealth, that we do in here once a month. Um, but today is not mental wealth. Today is learn a little bit about Laura Day on our Live <laughs> and Learn. And then Laura has some advice for us that I'm super excited to dive into because I am I have a 10-year-old and I am starting to experience some of the things that she is going to talk about. So let's dive right, right into it, Laura. Who are you and what do you do? Well, thank you for asking. I am <laughs> Laura um, and I own a therapy practice. My practice is called Benavary Counseling and we offer... Um, therapy and counseling for kids of all ages. Like I think the youngest client we've ever had is, was like three years old oh. and then all the way up through all adults. Um, but we really specialize in helping moms and we really um, do a lot of work with parenting dynamics. So, you know, helping parents support their kids. So every time we have a kid in the practice, we really work with the parents to um, partner with the with us to learn more about how can we help this kid at home so it's not just like, oh, this one hour a week, the kid learns like coping skills, but then at home, everything's chaos still. So we don't want that. We want to kind of wrap around the whole family. Um, and so that's what we do. We also have a coach um, on staff who um, is able to support teens. A lot of the time when teens are struggling with like transition, like I'm getting ready to finish school or mm -hmm. I'm in school and I'm just disorganized. Um, a lot of executive functioning stuff and, um, step-by-step -step goal setting and accountability. So she, um, is really awesome with, with teens. Um, so yeah, so that's what we do. And we are located in Chandler, but we also offer virtual sessions for anyone who, um, struggles to be able to get all the way down here if they're far away or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And I know a lot of people appreciate that you do that. And it's pretty cool this day and age that we can do that. I know. I love it because especially as a mom, like it's not always easy to find care for your child. And then mm -hmm. it's also, you know, the drive time and there's it's the commute can take more time out of your day. And so you know, if it's something that is supporting you, we want to be able to accommodate that. I love that. And I know that some people, myself included at times, um, have a lot of anxiety surrounding leaving and having to travel to another place, especially if yeah. you are a mom, especially if you have younger kiddos and you've got, you know, everything but the kitchen sink that you have to drag along with you. It's a lot of preparation. Um, and so I totally appreciate that you do that for, for mamas and for others as well. And I'm sure that they do too. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about raising young kids and, you know, something that I had mentioned earlier that I was really excited to talk with you about today, um, is I am struggling with my child, not taking action when he should be taking action and he's 10 years old, he turns 10 on Sunday and I'm struggling with what's age appropriate for me to have an expectation of him to be able to do. So mm. for example, and hopefully this is a good example, um, you know, for what you want to talk about today, for example, 
at 8.30, that's the time when I we ask him to get his teeth brushed, get into bed. He has an opportunity to read because it's his homework, you know, so he's got to read at night. And then mm-hmm. he, he can have a little bit of TV time, lights out by 9.30. But I find myself reminding him at 8.30 several times, and then he's got to say goodnight to us six or seven times. And then he's got to say goodnight to the dog and get a drink and, you know, the whole routine. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like I'm just constantly placing pressure, not only on him, but on myself. And it's really stressful. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody wants to feel like we're just saying the same thing over and over. And no one likes to be told to do the same thing over and over. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think I've mentioned this before on mental wealth, but when we tell a kid to do something, they want to do it less. I mean, that's a, that's a brain reaction. That's not even the kid's fault. That's just what happens. And so it's the hardest thing to try to keep them on track. So what in these kinds of situations, of course, you mentioned age appropriateness, that is key. So it's not reasonable to expect um, a child of like three to six or seven years old to like remember on their own, right? That's, Mm -hmm. They just don't have the skills for that. And they don't, their brain doesn't work that way. You know, kids are not adult. They're not mini adults, right? They don't have an adult brain. They don't have the capacity and the information processing ability that we have as adults. And so it's important to kind of recognize that when we think about age appropriate, it's, it's really because it's what's actually possible and what's not. Um, And when we set rules that are not possible, um, that's what we call an expectation gap. And it just sets the kid up to just be, to fail. Yeah. Right. They might be able to accomplish it some of the time, but the majority of the time, they're not going to be able to meet those expectations. And that's just, nobody likes that. So, um, so it is reasonable to check and see what's possible. That's kind of my recommendation here is like set an expectation And then kind of have that be a trial period of 30 days to see if consistency is achievable and what barriers there are to consistency. And so if it's, I, they don't remember to do it. Okay. Well, maybe we set a timer, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe an alarm goes off or something like that. Um, Maybe there's some kind of signal that the child can read on their own. The other thing is there are, some specific, uh, three specific areas of difficulty when we're asking children to be autonomous. One, feeding or eating, be it, like anytime it has to do with eating or whatever. Two, grooming. Anytime it's like brushing my hair, getting my face washed, all that stuff, grooming, and then bedtime. Mm. Those three areas are always very, very difficult to transition from an help, uh, uh, an interactive parent support activity to an autonomous individual activity. And here's why. So um, feeding and grooming are um, activities that release in our brains um, oxytocin. And that's the bonding chemical. So when we are feeding, uh, like a mother feeding their infant child, Um, and grooming their infant child. And then also you see this in the animal world as well, like, um, you know, where it's like mutual grooming, where they'll Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, help each other out. (laughs) That's a, that's a real like tribe connection, um, 
uh, bonding activity. And so instinctually, if we're not getting that, we'll, we'll try to get that right. Like, we'll, we don't want to give that up because mm. that's such a, that's such a wonderful experience for us. It's like when I can be the closest and it's like instinctually, that's what we're asking for. And obviously the child would not be able to say like, well, this is why, right. That's not going to happen. Um, but we can know, Hey, these activities are a lot more difficult for this child to do on their own. And that it makes sense that that's harder. So, um, and then bedtime is because they're having to, um, leave you and go to sleep and they won't be able to know if you're okay anymore. They won't be able to know for sure where you are. They won't be able to know for sure that you're there with them, right? Like they're having to like separate from you and be alone. Um, and that's really hard for them. And that's really scary. And so those three, those three activities, they'll get us every time. Um, so I recommend that you, um, generally offer some level of like connection through that bedtime. That's why he's doing this like good night, everything. Yeah. It's like seven times. Yeah. So perhaps you work in some kind of routine that, um, you are sort of like the sending off of that experience. Like you maybe like, okay, you do all your stuff by whatever time. So like, let's say he has the timer and he goes and he does his stuff and then lights out at 930, maybe like you go in at 920 and it's consistent and reliable and he can trust that you're going to do that every time or dad, whatever. Um, And you go in and you kind of have a thing that you like a ritual, like a thing that you do every night that lasts more than, you know, just the lights out, but is kind of an extended like send off into the night. Mm -hmm. Um, That could be helpful. What we want to do is balance the individual nature of what they're doing and the supportive connection that we have to offer them in order for them to feel okay. Um, so it's not like you just have to do everything for them, mm-hmm. but to recognize like, okay, maybe they need this much connection, you know, like just add it like as, as much as it needs to happen in order for the thing to be okay to do, that's the amount that you want to kind of add in. I love that. And I appreciate that. And, uh, that is not something that we've been doing. And what's funny is, um, on Tuesday nights, my husband goes to dodgeball. It's his thing. So he goes mm-hmm. and plays dodgeball with his buddies and whatever. And, and he comes home after Jax goes to bed mm-hmm. and Jax will say every Tuesday, what time is dad coming home? Can you please ask him to come and see me and say, good night. I don't even care if I'm sleeping. Like, can you mm-hmm. just send him in to come and see me? And he comes home, it depends on what times his games are. So it's not very consistent. So I never know what to tell him what time, but it's funny that, you know, you mentioned that because now I'm starting to make that connection with some of the the routines and some of the things that he does and says. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, kids are, they're very aware of us Yeah, and they're very aware of our um, proximity, I think, to them. Um, and even if it seems like they don't like us very much <laughs> at times, <laughs> right? They're in, we can't ignore, like, they're still a human and they're, uh, you know, they're a human with a nervous system and they're an organism that has instincts and are, they, we are necessary for their survival. Right. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately it's not about like the, their attitude doesn't always reflect this instinctual need for our, for bonding. Yeah. Right? No. 
It doesn't. Um, <laughs> but it is an instinctual need that will prevent them from just settling. They'll they'll just feel unsettled until that kind of gets worked out. And so we can support them through that. But those are the areas where I see the most challenge, where parents will come to me and be like, I just, they will not like brush their hair on their own or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this makes sense. Or they will not, um, you know, get their own breakfast. I have to like make, okay, well that makes sense. Right. Like, so there's a handful of things where these, these little sticky, sticky things that we have to kind of, um, pay a little extra attention to not always, but sometimes it stands out. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So he's at the point where, um, he's starting to need to wear deodorant now, you know, he's getting older and, and that's mm -hmm. something that, that we've started implementing and every morning out of ask, Hey, did you put on your deodorant this morning? And half the time it's yes. And half the time it's no, it's <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. What, yeah. what about staying on task with school, getting to school, doing homework? That's a tough one too. That is really hard. So like I, Every kid is going to be different. They're going to have different reasons why going to school is hard. And they're going to have different reasons why staying on task is hard. Um, the best thing we can do, I think I like to have a like a monitoring period, kind of that, like it doesn't always have to be 30 days. Sometimes it can be just like a few days or a week of like, okay, what's actually going on in this? Like, why are they not able to do it? What are they saying? What are they doing instead just kind of like you're fact finding you're, you, you know, you're a scientist and you're just getting out your microscope and kind of saying like, okay, what, what's going on? And when we have, when we do that, what we can see is kind of patterns that stand out, like, you know, um, which kind of, perhaps it's, is it the math homework every time that we're not on task? Is mm -hmm. it the ELA homework? Is it, you know, maybe do they like their teacher? Does their teacher validate them? Do they feel um, like a failure, right? Are they feeling um, insecure or are they feeling confused or unsupported? Those are things that will prevent them from being able to be on task. Um, and of course, like there are some specific things that prevent kids from being on task. Like when we're talking about like neurodiversity, right? Like mm -hmm. there's a million reasons, right? So I can't say that this is like a one size fits all. Um, but what is my always uh, what I always recommend first is to sit with them. So like if um you have things to do that you can do at the same like if you have a kitchen table or wherever the homework is happening, just sit there too. Do whatever you're doing. You don't have to like do everything with them, but right. be in their proximity because that will help support them by it doesn't like their mind won't wander as much like when they kind of get distracted or when they start to look away, then they can notice you. Maybe they want to say something. Maybe they want your attention. And so like sometimes those little touches can be really validating and helpful because usually when we go off track, it's because something in our mind or body like distracted us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's thoughts that are distressing. Like, oh, what? what are we going to do, you know, tomorrow after school? Or, you know, are we going to be able to go to my friend's birthday party? Or what are we having for dinner? Like, literally. And so sometimes when they start to have those questions, it's hard for them to get back on track. So it's not as much the problem, go like the problem isn't as much that they're going off, it's getting back on. Because um, our minds all wander, mm -hmm. right? 
it's just when you're a kid and your mind is wandering and you're doing homework, like it's unlikely that you're going to wander back on your own. And so, so like when you're sitting in the same presence and the kid is like, what are we having for dinner? We can respond by saying, you know, whatever the answer is, and then be like, um, I'll probably start cooking at, you know, this particular time. Um, I'd like you to help me. Let's get this done. So we have time to do it together. Mm-hmm. The end. Well, back on track. So when we respond with stop asking the questions, you're just trying to avoid your homework. Mm. Whoops. We just escalated the problem. Mm-hmm. So now we're causing more distress. So they might like quietly look back at their paper, but they're not getting anything done. Mm-hmm. They're now they're like spinning in their distress. So it's like, okay, all they really need is that touch point, right? Like they needed that hand, you know, they reached out and they wanted you to like, just hold their hand for two seconds, know that you're there, know that they're okay. And then they can come back and do their work. And so it helps them redirect back when we can just acknowledge that they're a human with a nervous system and their mind wandered and then not make it a thing, right? Mm-hmm. We want to try not to make everything mean something. Um, treat it like it's happening now and just do the thing. I I love that. And and for me, it makes a lot of sense. Math is, it's funny that you chose math as the first subject um, because that's hard the one, <laughs> I think it's hard for a lot of people. Um, so that's the one that my son does struggle with. And honestly, he does just want me to sit next to him while he's doing his homework. And he'll, yeah. he'll ask a few things and he'll go off on tangents and start talking about mm-hmm. some crap that happened at school or whatever. And so I sure. do appreciate that advice because after the sixth or seventh time, I'm like, okay, bud, <laughs> we're done. Like, we're not talking. You're yeah. doing your thing. I'm doing mine. And, and that's kind of how I've been handling it. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that you brought that up because it's not my goal to cause more stress for my child. Right. It's your goal to get him to do his homework. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, and and it's my goal for him to be, you know, I mean, I, I realize not everybody's going to be happy all the time, but it's my goal to try right. and promote, you know, a, at least an even keel kind of level of happiness for as much as I possibly can for him. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny when we, this is a whole rabbit hole, we should do a show on this, but <laughs> it, it's funny how as parents, like we think we're, we're doing the right thing. And when we're shutting down conversation like that, we think we need to do that. So I appreciate the extra insight because yes, he does need to do his homework, but that gives me extra tools to help him get there and to make it more harmonious for the both of us. Because mm-hmm. when they're stressed out, so am I, like, you know, like I know, when, right? when he's really, you know, um, really there. And like you said, kind of spinning in his own stress and his own distress, uh, it, I am too. And it's Mm -hmm. just not good for anybody. No, nobody likes it, right? Like that's the thing is nobody's doing great here. Um, And so one thing is I want to make it known because I get this from parents a lot. Like, well, we're just going to what let them do, you know, go with every whim or, you know, we're not going to have any discipline. That's not the case, right? Like you will shut down that conversation. It's just how you do it, right? Yeah. So the difference is not to just you don't have to sit there and like entertain the conversation, but what you can do is be like, you know, if it's the sixth time, like, Hey, I really want to hear about that. And I'm going to write it down. Can we like, can you tell me that story after we're done with the, with your homework? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Right. 
right? And so what we're doing is we're teaching them how to separate, like not go with every single thought, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, our mind wanders, but we don't have to follow it. Right. We can come back here and we can be okay without fully, you know, exploring that path that our brain is kind of taking us on. We can set it for now aside and come back to our work. And I think that's a great skill for being an adult later on in life. Right. You know, because how many times, I mean, personally, have I just had a random thought in the middle of having to get something done and I'm off and running. What was that again that I needed to get done? I don't know. You know, so exactly. Definitely a good skill. Um, last thing that I wanted to chat with you about, and thank you again for all of that. There was a lot of value in, in there, um, is something that I learned a little bit about last year when I, um, when I pulled Jackson out of public school for a variety of reasons, not here to say anything bad about public school. I think everybody, you know, it, it works for some people and for some people Mm -hmm. it doesn't, and that's okay. Um, was ESA and, I thought that that was pretty interesting. I know you know a little bit more about that. So maybe you can give a little bit more detail, but can you also share how therapy kind of plays into that and how it can be used for therapy? Yeah, for sure. So ESA is, um, essentially it's a voucher program. And so there's, um, a certain amount of money that each child is allocated for their education in public school, right? Because it costs the state, like it's kind of just like a budget thing. Well, what Arizona does is allows um, any kid to leverage, to access that money. It's a percentage of the overall budget. Um, If they want to, if the parents want to do homeschool, and so that money can support their curriculum and can support um, you know, other types of education, like outside classes, like if they wanted to take a swim lesson and add that as their class, you know, stuff like that. When you're homeschooling, it's not just sitting at home, right. you're doing other, you're, and there's materials that you need to purchase and there's things that you need to do in order to, um, have a holistic education. So those, that's what the ESA funds are for. Um, as, so at Benavere Counseling, we are connected with the ESA um, vendor program. And so our clients who are utilizing ESA funds as part of their educational needs can do um, coaching and use as part of like their social, social emotional learning or executive functioning skills. Those things can be covered by ESA. Um, And so we actually are a vendor through the program and can be paid directly from the scholarship account um, where parents don't have to pay up front. Um, it just comes from that um, funding source. Um, and then, so therapy services can also be covered, um, but in order to receive therapy services, there are additional requirements. Like if your child has a specific like IEP or 504, something like that, that can change the um, allowance and can change the eligible activities. And so, um, anybody can do coaching, uh, because it's learning and then therapy services specifically are some clients are eligible for that. If, um, if that's part of their education and all plan. That's awesome. And that's so good to know. And honestly, something that, like I said, I just learned 
a little bit about last year. So thank you for filling us in with further detail on that. I know that, um, there, obviously I know therapy is very important and I know that there um, are some families that really want to incorporate that into their lives and they struggle to do so on the financial Mm -hmm. level. So I appreciate you. Totally. Yeah. And you know, mental fitness is not always like a response to mental illness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We want to think about the same way that we want our kids to be physically fit and learn how to take care of their bodies physically. We want them to learn how to take care of their minds and alleviate their own distress, right? We want them to be able to Mm self-regulate and we want to teach them that mental fitness and resilience. And that comes from the same principles that therapy comes from. It's just, we're being proactive in that case instead of reactive. And that's actually a lot of the coaching, um, the coaching program does that. Um, because it's like, you don't have to have, and for any therapy here, you don't have to have a disorder, quote unquote, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's not really what we're doing. We're here to support your mental wellness overall. And that includes mental fitness as well as mental health healing. Right. I think that is huge right there. You just, I mean, you're in the industry, so you probably hear and see this a lot, but, but you nailed it. I feel like Often people will go after therapy to cure an issue, right? Whereas if we were a bit more proactive with that, like you mentioned, and we just use it as a learning, like, you know, part of our education, Mm -hmm. then how much would we save ourselves from dealing with, you know, in future years and and as an adult and whatnot. So yeah, super important. All right, friend. Well, I love every opportunity that I get to talk with you. You are so just full of information. I love it. It's so much value. So thank you so much for spending your valuable time here with us today. And I do have your contact info in the show notes, but is there a preferred method of contact if somebody wants to get in touch and talk to you a little bit further about what your office provides? Yeah, the best way to do that is on our website at www.benaviri.com, which is B-E-N-A-V-I-E-R-I. And of course, you can just click the link in the show notes. That's a lot easier. But uh, going to our website, you can schedule consultation um, and you can read a lot more about all the things that we have to offer. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Laura. If you guys want to check out any of our previous live and learn episodes or our mental wealth podcast, which is a bit longer, it's usually about 45 minutes to an hour. And we are here once a month talking through different things that have to do with our mental health. And really the idea about that show is that we can leave, that we can fix ourselves, right? So that we can leave a new legacy for those little humans that we have created. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so you get, guys can check that out. Our YouTube handle is at Mom Nation USA, or you can go to your favorite podcast platform, do a quick search for Mom Nation Talk Radio, and there you will find us. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. See you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>